Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, the podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. So, The Flash, I think, has already ended by the time this episode comes out. But I'm not here to talk about The Flash. I'm here to talk about something else. Um, Tom Cavanaugh, who plays the reverse Flash on that show. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, I-, I like to check his IMDb credits because like, he's been in some other stuff, some pretty like significant other stuff. And he's one of those people where his known for is not what you would expect it to be. You know, he's been on The Flash for nine years, for ten years. Um, not in his known for. He was in what? a few episodes of Scrubs. And that is more prominent on his known for than um than the entirety of The Flash. And I find that crazy. But what I'm actually here to talk about is a show that he was in called Ed. And it ran for like five years, had 83 episodes, rated pretty highly, 7.6 out of 10, nowhere to be found online. What? So the show was called Ed. And mm-hmm. the synopsis is a separated, fired NYC lawyer returns to his hometown in Ohio to meet his old high school friends and buys a bowling alley and opens a law office out of it. So it's like big city guy returns to small town and practices law in small town. Oh, now, okay. I'm kind of interested in watching this show because I like Tom Cavanaugh a lot. And people seem to like this show a lot. Gang, what do you have to do to get a whole TV show just scrubbed from the internet? Dude, I'd, I wonder if you have to, like, buy the disc set. I think that's what I would have to do. But it's not like they make them new anymore. And hey, guess what? I'm not going to buy used DVDs off of Amazon. Hey, that's a line I'm not willing to cross. I know people that do that, and they've gotten exactly what they wanted 100% of the time, but there's still a part of me that's like, what if I accidentally buy a snuff film? Uh, Now that you mention it, I do remember Tom Cavanaugh in Scrubs, though. Yeah, but like, that's not The Flash. Right. And I find that so baffling how this dude is like very, I don't want to say he's very famous, but like he's well known for what he has done. And the fact that he has like a four or five season TV show that you just can't access anymore blows my mind. Yeah, dude. Is that, that's, I don't know. But he's also that guy who's like, oh, I've seen him before and couldn't name a thing he's in. Yeah, absolutely. So I would like to go on. I would like to redirect everybody that does like lost media recovery. Can you find this not that old TV show? Normally when people do lost media searches, like it's for TV shows from like the 70s or 80s or it's from like they're looking for an old commercial spot from like the early 2000s. Never is it a whole TV show that's just disappeared. Right. All right, Alex, uh, would you like to hop into our movie? Let's do it. This is our final week in Spielberg Spring, and I'm going to say that we chose maybe the least Spielberg-y (laughs) movie to cap it off with. In retrospect, there were some better movies we could have picked. However, we landed on The Post. This is a 2017 movie with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. If you don't want to hear us talk about it, you can skip to this time code or just hit the fast forward button like three or four times because I can't imagine we're going to take that long. Time code 
18 minutes, 5 seconds. Okay, in our defense, I'm looking at, so I'm looking at his director credits, right? Yeah. Um, and the reason we did the post is because it was the one of the most recent of his director credits. We didn't watch Fablements because you had just seen it. We didn't watch West Side Story because we talked about it. Ready Player One, I think it was between this and Ready Player One. Yeah. We should have watched hindsight, Ready Player One. <laughs> I would even say, in hindsight, I would have just watched Fablements again. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, in hindsight, that would probably make more sense for the month. For Spielberg month, we should have ended it with the Spielberg movie. Yeah, but I'm sure we'll come around to it at some point. That movie's too good for us to We can do movies so made a, by people about themselves. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but The Post. So I'm going to break down the plot for this because it's weird, but it is kind of important. So this is towards like the beginning of the Washington Post being an important newspaper. Meryl Streep has inherited it, but she didn't inherit it from her father. Her father, who owned the Post, gave it to Meryl Streep's husband. And then when Meryl Streep's husband died, then she inherited it. So she's bas- she's the first female publisher of a newspaper that is, I'm not going to say underqualified, but woefully underprepared for the job that she now has to do. Um, and the events of this movie depict the real-life breaking of the news that the U.S. was involved in Vietnam much longer than the Vietnam War. That we've been well, involved AKA in Vietnam. the Pentagon Papers. Yes. And it was also the fact that they were losing... And they were going to do it anyway, just to like continue to have the war to save face. And then a bunch of other stuff, uh, like a whole, the Pentagon Papers is like 10,000 pages of class of top secret documents that got leaked. And so this movie is about this underprepared publisher. And what what's Tom, is Tom Hanks like the chief editor? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm literally going to have to look up their titles. I have no... That was another problem with this movie. I didn't know what each person's job was, and there was a lot of people. And Tom so... Hanks, the Post. And so it's all these important people at the Washington Post that's trying to save this dying paper, and they're taking these big swings with these Pentagon papers that they kind of don't have the clearance to make. And that's what this movie is about is trying to decide if the risk of publishing these papers is worth the reward of surviving in the print business. And if that sounds boring, Hey, guess what? It's cause it was Yeah, dude. Okay. So you were right first that he was the executive editor of the post. Also, the first half of this movie is torture. So the way that I described this movie to people after I had watched it was, do you remember when you were a kid and your parents would be like, oh, you wouldn't like this movie. It's for grownups. And as a kid, you think, oh, that just means it's just a bunch of adults talking for two hours. That's what this movie is. Whatever your child brain like imagined a movie for grownups is that's what this is also i mean because the thing is they catfish you with like starting off with a a clip from the vietnam war yeah and you're like whoa this is gonna be super interesting it's not like that at all for the rest of the movie it's the kind of opening clip that makes you think you're watching the wrong movie yeah it's bro this is a movie i'm not recommending to 
anyone unless you're interested in journalism. So there are two cool scenes in this movie. One of them is when Bob Odenkirk is the one that like gives them the Pentagon Papers, right? He's the deliverer of the news. And he gets asked by one of, I, again, couldn't care who the characters are. He gets asked by another character that's like, hey, is your source for this the same source oh, that the it's New the York Post Times lawyer? Yes. Because New York Times um published they were the first ones to get a hold of the Pentagon Papers and they released stuff. And then the Supreme Court called an injunction saying, Hey, you can't release classified stuff. So you're not allowed to release anything. Um, and your agents aren't allowed to release anything. So the lawyer was talking about Odenkirk's character, be like did you get your information from the Times? Because they're not allowed to release anything. And did you get anything from their agents, a.k.a. did you get it from their source? Because if you did, that's a felony. <laughs> and so that confrontation was pretty cool to watch. Yes. And then the other cool scene is when they are all on the phone with each other and they're trying to decide if they should go to print five minutes before the print deadline. And there's this big debate, uh, again, on what I was talking about earlier, the risk and reward factor. And that was another cool scene because it was nice to see Meryl Streep's character like finally learn to hold her ground and be like, no, I'm in charge of this paper. I understand the risks. We have to go to print with this. And so that kind of like evolution through the conversation was very cool to watch evolve. Yeah, I think there was a couple more cool scenes. Like I like the one when they got their hands on the papers and everyone got invited over to Tom Hanks house and they were just searching for stuff and figuring it out. That was pretty dope. Um, at Meryl Streep house, um, when everyone showed up saying like, hey, it's all set up. If we're going to just not release the newspaper, tomorrow now would be the time to call it off and she goes up to tom hanks is like can you guarantee 100 of soldiers can you guarantee me that no soldiers are going to be injured from this he goes 100 she goes all right let's run it i'm like that's cool yeah um so i will say there's too many freaking people in this movie dude there's so many people in this movie and everyone's important everybody's important and i remember looking at the cast list for this movie and being like oh i'm excited to see this movie with all the people in it and then they would show up like 90 minutes into the movie and i'm like oh i forgot you were in this movie like allison brie and sarah paulson and david cross like they're all in this movie you kind of forget until they show up yeah dude and bruce greenwood is robert mcnamara i he's in like the first couple minutes of this movie and then i forgot he was in this movie and then when he gets reintroduced i'm like who are you again <laughs> it was freaking conf dude it was like if you didn't watch subtitles and didn't know who was who, like you needed names for people. You really be, did. This would be impossible. It'd be impossible. So I want to say that this movie does not focus on the story that it should have. And where this movie is very much like about the Pentagon Papers and about the Vietnam involvement, that was not the interesting part of the movie to me. I think that a much more interesting movie would have focused almost exclusively on Meryl Streep's character because I, I think, think they tried. I think they tried too, but if they had committed to that, if that was the story, then I think that would have been much more interesting watching this underprepared woman like rise, you know, have to rise to the occasion. That, I think, is a more interesting story because it's focused on a person rather than 
an already happened event. And I think that's kind of why I didn't find this movie very interesting is a, it was about an event that I didn't super care about and B like nothing really came of it in like in the way that the movie portrays it. Um, and so I think if it was more about the people of the paper rather than the consequences of the publication, I think that would have been much more interesting because the main character in this movie is the paper is, is yeah. the Washington post. And that's not engaging. I would much rather have seen Tom Hanks kind of mentor or butt heads with Meryl Streep as they like, find a way to run this paper together or accept that one person has to run the paper more so than the other. Like that's the story that needed to be told. See, I think it's tricky because these people are still alive and this was relatively recent and it's all documented. So like you can't, I mean, you could take a bunch of liberties, but there'd be a lot of people who'd be like, yeah, that's not how that happened. And then another thing is there's a lot of people alive right now who remember this going down. Sure. So, like, I think this is obviously an exaggeration. It'd be like making a movie that takes place during 9-11, but it's not, 9, it's not about 9-11. Yeah. Like, it's just, I think that kind of the event is too big to be about the characters. Like, if you, there was a movie, this is all hypothetical, about someone who can't find their son on 9-11, but the whole time you're like, is this about 9-11? Because they're not really talking about it. And there's no, there's... Like, is there no details about this? Are we just following around family? Like, it might be more interesting, but I think the whole time we'd be like, this is about 9-11, right? And I think (laughs) with it, this being about, like, freedom of speech and, like, how much the White House is involved, like, I think that's why they did the Watergate scandal at the end. Because the whole time we're like, wait, Nixon's still in office? I thought he was a bad guy. Well, yeah. And I think Spielberg is like, all right, we'll give it to you at the very end. Um, Alex, I have a question. Um, are you aware of the Charlie Sheen movie 9-11? No. Well, I'm, in my defense, I'm not aware of any Charlie Sheen movie. Okay. It's a Charlie, it has Charlie Sheen and Whoopi Goldberg in it. So, but yeah, it's a 2017 movie called 9-11. And the synopsis is five people find themselves trapped in an elevator during the attacks. They soon work together, never, never give up hope to try to escape before the unthinkable happens. <laughs> wow and guess what 4.4 yeah, out of 10 movies so all this being said like it's difficult to make an engaging movie about a real event without taking liberties right it's kind of what what we're saying at the end of this right you can take and, liberties and make it more interesting or you can tell it how it is and just hope that the audience also finds it interesting and i think that you and i both just kind of ran into this thing where it just wasn't interesting. And I'm sure there are like much more renowned publication movies like a uh, spotlight. I think it, c- it comes to mind. Yep. Um, so it's not to say that it can't be done. I'm just saying it wasn't done. Um, this movie was not, this movie was nominated for two Oscars um, at the time of its release. Best picture and Meryl Streep got nominated for Best Supporting or Best Actress, and um, the winner of Best Picture was Shape of Water. And I haven't seen it, but hey, almost everything on this list 
I w- I'm glad could have won over this movie. Like, it's just, I don't want to, like, spend too much time talking about this movie just because, like, it, it just so didn't click with me in the most uninteresting of ways. This movie felt important, but I also was like, I'm not the demographic for this. This yeah. is for journalism students. This is for writers. This is for people who care about you know, freedom of the press, freedom of speech. I care about those things minimally, purely so I can put out this podcast. <laughs> but like, it's not like my career. It's not like my thing. This is this is for a very specific person. And I, I'm not recommending this to literally anybody else because I think they're just going to find it boring. It's not a bad movie. It's actually a pretty good movie for certain people, bro. For certain people. Yeah. Um, I'm willing to give this bad boy a rating. Um, Go for and- it. And are you, oh, man, let's rip this bandaid off now. This is a four and a half. Okay. So I start off with a six. I said, this is a textbook six. As we've talked about it, I've dropped it down to a five and a half. Yeah. So this is hands down the worst Spielberg movie I've ever seen. Which, and again, when you say worst, like, this movie succeeds on like a production and technical level. You know, this movie looks like it's in the 70s. This, or the, the yeah, acting's the good. And it's just uh, like the pacing is whack, bro. Yeah, there are too many characters. I don't care what most of them are doing. And so you walk away just feeling like, I don't know, not confused, but just like disappointed. Yeah. I don't know what I knew this was more movie was gonna be boring before we watched it which is the worst kind of movie when you know it's gonna be boring before you even watch it you should just stop but it's all good this is a good you know palate cleanser for our next month oh absolutely guys the tonal shift is gonna be drastic you'll get whiplash um all right let's move on to our improv segment we're gonna break out a new one and we might, and you know, this is our field test, right? Sometimes when we break out new segments, they aren't tested, and we might have to fine tune it. Um, I'm calling this uh, segmented storytelling, and you and I are having a conversation with uh, a nondescript third person, and we're trying to tell a story. The only problem is, um, we both remember the story different. So as we tell the story, we kind of have to butt in and correct the story on how we remember. Gotcha. Okay. Um, do you have like what kind of story? Do you have an idea for what kind of story we could be telling? I think we should be You know what this should be? This should be the best man giving a speech and the groom being like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait." <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, do you want me to be your best man since I sure, didn't get man. to be your real best man? Ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. This makes up for it. You got to MC. I had like three best men. You were like one of them. Yes, yeah. Um, and this will have about as much preparedness as your actual best man speech. Sweet. Um, <laughs> That's a dig right. to you know who. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, everyone. Uh, I guess it's time for me to, you know, do the best man speech. Hope everyone is enjoying dinner, I guess. You know, he's always an early eater. It's four o'clock. I guess we could call it dinner. Um, but I just want to say I'm really glad that, you know, we we're able to get together for Alex's wedding. Um, and you know, like most Beth man speeches, I kind of, you know, got a rag on him a little bit. So I just wanted to tell this story about when we were in high school and <sighs> Alex saw this one girl in his science class and he was desperate for me to wingman him for him. Okay. So- wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Hey everybody. Um, he gave me a mic for this, um, just so I could contribute anything, um, which is weird, but 
we're weird guys. I do want to push back on that. It wasn't science class, by the way. It was choir. So the rules are a little bit different in that atmosphere. And one, I, there's not a world where I would ask you to wingman for me. I think this you got this reversed. I bet you I was wingmanning for you. Um, that's not right. Cause you like you just like you wouldn't stop talking about this girl. And so like, oh, Deborah this, Deborah that, Deborah this. And, like it was like two and a half weeks you brought her up every day. And so I was like, you know what, you're right. You didn't ask me to wingman for you. I felt obligated to wingman for you because if I didn't, I would have had to continue to hear about it and I think uh, I just kind of made a good friend move there. So, like I was saying. Yeah, I'm going to push back on this again. I don't even think it was Deborah. I think it was Bethany. And I could have sworn you were into Bethany. I don't think either one of us talked to Deborah. Okay. Deborah, are you so, here? Are you here today? Don't, don't don't engage with him, crowd. This is this is <laughs> supposed to be my time. This is my time. Now, um <laughs> Okay. So let's let's just say it was Bethany for the sake of the story. Um, and you like really wanted to go out with her. So I decided to be a good friend and I decided to swing, you know, swing by her locker in between periods. And I said, Hey, my friend, Alex, he's a little too shy to say it, but he's super into you. And she does this up on at my... all sound like me. No, Are you it just like... telling this story from my perspective? Cause this is exactly what I did for you. Okay. Then what did you do? What did you do? Okay. I mean, repeat the beginning to swap names. You were into this chick named Bethany. She was fine, I guess. Not my type, but you would be into her. Um, You know, you know the type. I don't need to say it for you guys. You understand. And so you were super nervous. You didn't know exactly what to say to her. You had never seen her before. I had done shows with her previously. So I had like rapport and I just kind of said, hey, um, I just want to gauge what your feelings are for Craig. Um, he's a little shy and I don't want him to, you know, put himself out there. If you're not feeling a little bit, um, and I kind of just like, Hey, just, you know, raised you up a little bit, said, Hey, this is his situation. He's really funny. He's great to be around. Great hang. No pressure. Super respectful. And then we went from there. This hold on, wait, okay. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I th- hold on. I know why we're getting confused. Okay. We were both into her. You went to ask her out, and when she said no to you, you deflected her onto me as kind of like a like a self preservation move. Um, I think that I think that's where it makes sense. So yes, so Alex kind of like threw Bethany at me after she said no to him, and so her and what I. What a weird story to tell at my wedding, but continue. So her and I are going on this first date, right? We're going to this like cute little diner next to the high school. It was like, you know, an after school, like lunch ish type deal. And then Alex shows up, crashes the date and tries to like make it a date for him too. Oh, jeez, man. You're first of all, I didn't crash. She invited me. I got it. I don't know if this is the first time you've ever heard this, but she texted me and said, hey, I changed my mind. I don't think you and I can be a thing, which I'm like. No worries, bro. I wasn't interested in the first place. Um, I didn't say that, obviously. I would have broken her heart. Um, and she's like, can you just like come hang out with me and Craig? This is getting really weird. So that's why I showed up. I didn't crash. It might have felt like I was crashing to you, but she needed me there. Wait, hold on. So she just was never interested? I think she thought it was going to go differently. So if she wasn't interested, then like the six-month relationship I had with her was just based on a foundation of disinterest. I would say she wanted to give it a shot. I think she was curious. 
yeah, no, this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. No, no, this is great. I'm just I'm imagine you just like, like taking shots up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this just, is good. I'm actually having a great time. drinking on the mic. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. This is good. Um, anyway, I hope you guys have a good wedding. I'm going to go home. Uh, don't call me for a few days. Bye. <laughs> Guys, this is, you're just drinking heavy and just sweating as we you, iron out this stuff. Nobody you guys got an open bar at this wedding, right? Yeah. One person claps when you leave. <laughs> and everyone's whispering to each other, was that planned? Was that sp- That's a bit, right? That's a joke. <laughs> God, I I love having a reputation where if anything bad were to happen, there's like a solid 50-50 chance that the audience is gonna think it's part of the bit. Yeah, just like that's that's a bit, right? They wouldn't they plan this out. There's a script, right? Yeah. He can cry in command. <laughs> is he anyway, actually drunk? <laughs> anyway, when's that DJ gonna play the cha cha slide? <laughs> Could really go for a Cupid shuffle right now. Or even but like the the maid of honor comes up right after you and goes, Okay. Um, <laughs> um I was asked to, to sing, so um somewhere over the makes rainbow, everybody cry here we with goes. We always talked about when we were gonna get married when we were younger and how we're gonna be each other's maid of honors, and I'm so glad I get to be for you. This is exactly how I imagined it, you're a princess, and everyone's bawling their eyes out and the best man is like throwing chairs and like making a ruckus like behind the scene yeah he's, he stepped outside with the door still open and he goes can you believe this guy in front of everybody starts walking out into traffic and car, and car horns start going off <laughs> i don't know has to stop his speech someone go check on him <laughs> Oh, man, what a freaking disaster. That was pretty much a one-for-one retelling of your wedding, right? Yeah, that's exactly what happened, except I didn't say anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Alex, what is our middle segment? Dude, we're bringing it back. I haven't done it in a while because it takes me to, you know, I have to use brain power for this. It's called actor acumen. It's a multiple choice thing where uh, Craig has to pick the odd man out. And it's all based on actors and the movies they were in. Or the theme of the movies or who they worked with were on the movies. Just movies in general. I think there is one exception. Um, and I'll give that one to you first. Let me just triple check. Um, all of these have to do with movies, careers, something like that. Except for one. But it's tangent. You need to know actors' names for this. I'll give okay. that one to you first. Okay. So here's the names. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Elizabeth Olsen, Bradley Cooper, Liam Hemsworth. This is the easiest one. If you can't get this, I got a hard, hard <laughs> news for you. <laughs> so is, is, it the fact that, is it the fact that Bradley Cooper doesn't have siblings in the industry? Siblings in the industry. All right. So for getting it correct, you get three points. Um, if you can guess another category that also fits, you get two points. And um, if you need me to eliminate one person and you get it right after that, you get one point. Okay. Because I think somebody's going to be too hard. We're going to have to start eliminating. Okay, doke. So we're starting off with three, bro. Correct guess. Next one. Michael Fassbender, Morgan Freeman, Chris Pratt, Jim Carrey. These are all about movies, themes of movies, who they worked with on movies, who they played in movies, their career. This one's tough. Yes. Because they've all been in superhero movies. 
Um, is it? Huh? Do I want me to get rid of one? Because I, I know my first gut instinct is to say like, I know this isn't what you're going for, and I wouldn't take bonus points for this. But like, because I think Chris Pratt is the only one that was on a sitcom first before he was a movie star. Um, and I think Morgan Freeman also he wasn't on a sitcom, but he guess started. Okay, sure, I would say sure. everything is movie related. There's nothing okay. about TV shows. Um, yeah, this one's tough. Yeah, get rid of one for me. Okay, I'm getting rid of the correct answer is not Michael Fassbender. He fits it, but he's not the odd man out. Okay, so Chris Pratt, Jim Carrey, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I genuinely have no idea. So these were Ben in a movie based off a video game. Michael Fassbender was in Assassin's Creed. Chris Pratt was in Mario. Jim Carrey was in Sonic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. All right. I mean, it's hard to gauge which ones of these are easy and which ones are hard now. I think they're all like not easy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, next one's going to be Samuel L. Jackson, Anne Hathaway, Kurt Russell, Channing Tatum. Is Kurt Russell the only one that hasn't been in like some sort of musical? Has Samuel L. Jackson been in a musical? I don't know, but like that's kind of my, that's where my gut goes to. You're going for two points here. I don't, I'm going to go through his IMDb real quick. I don't think he's been in a musical. Uh, scrolling through. I don't think he has been either. Nothing that like jumps out at me. No, there's. He's been in movies about music, but he hasn't been in a musical. Okay. Um. So then. Yeah, I don't know. That was my guess. It's and worked I, with I, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, then is that Anne Hathaway? And not yes, it's Anne Hathaway. And not only did they all work with Quentin Tarantino, they were all in Hateful Eight. Oh, okay. Um. Next one: Margot Robbie, Emma Stone, Brie Larson, Natalie Portman. Huh. I'm going to say that there is no category here, and they are all actresses I'm in love with. Margot um, Robbie, Emma Stone, Brie Larson, Natalie Portman. I mean, that's a pretty good freaking list. Yeah. Um, Emma Stone, Brie Larson um, is... So Natalie Portman and Brie also, Larson... I will also say none of them have... To, superhero is not in any of these. Okay. Natalie Portman mm. and Brie Larson were both kid actors. Um, okay. And I'm trying to think if Emma Stone or... Because I know Margot Robbie was on a like a soap opera as like a teenager. And I don't know if None of them have she did... shows. Oh, you're right. You're right. Um, we're going off of movie careers only. Then I'm going to say that Margot Robbie is the only one that's not a kid actor. Negative. It is Margot Robbie. Okay. But she's the only one who hasn't won an Oscar for Best Actress. Oh, Okay. I mean, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you guessed it, but that's only because it's multiple choice. I'll, <laughs> I'll give you one point for that. Okay. Next one. Woody Harrelson, Brad Pitt, Benedict Cumberbatch, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is the only one that hasn't played some sort of cowboy. Kind of a cowboy. Hipper. I'm counting Woody Harrelson in the Highwaymen as a cowboy. <laughs> I know you were. I'm trying to think of Brad Pitt as a cowboy. I don't think he's done it. Maybe I'm just thinking of him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I'm like, that's a cowboy, yeah. right? He's a, he's, a, he's a man's man. It's a, It was actually Benedict Cumberbatch, and it's everyone else has been in a zombie movie. Oh. Zombieland, World War Z, and uh, whatever her Simon Pegg movie was. I've, I've, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally right. Okay. This one isn't impossible. Okay. Um, this... It's. I think you you might be able to get it if I if I put these in a certain order. Um, Edward Norton, Terrence Howard. Oh. Tom Holland, Katie Holmes. Is Tom Holland the only one that hasn't been recast? Yup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
you, you said, after you said Edward Norton and Terrence Howard, I'm like, I, it doesn't matter. I know what the category is. I'm like, is. if I put these two guys back to back, he's going to get it immediately. <laughs> okay. This is another one that I could put these in an order that you'd get it, but I'm going to, I'm going to swap it around and I think it's going to be very difficult. Okay. Daniel Day-Lewis, Michael Caine, Robin Williams, Paul Giamatti. Ha, huh, this one's tough. Yes. <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think. Cause like Robin a little Williams, hint for this. you got to think for this one. I'll give you a hint because this is difficult. Think of who they've played. Okay. Um, Robin Williams is the only one that hasn't played an oil prospector. Um. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I'd like to see Michael Caine as an oil prospector. <laughs> who is Robin Williams? The only one that hasn't played like a historical figure. No, but you're on the right track. It's um Michael Caine. He's the only one who hasn't played a president in a movie. Oh, Daniel okay. Was, uh, Lincoln. Robin Williams was Teddy Roosevelt, Night in Museum. Right. And Paul Giamatti was uh, John Adams. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 okay that I don't get points for that, but I am proud of how close I got. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. All right, two more. Okay. This one you you might get because one of them is so famous for it. Okay. So it, it might, if you just, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm setting you up to fail here. This is, yeah. <laughs> this is actually pretty hard. Um, We got Brian Cranston, Viola Davis, Matt Damon, Ricky Gervais. Oh, wow. This one's, oh my God. Um, I can get rid of one if you want. This is pretty true. Yeah, so Brian Cranston, Viola Davis, Matt Damon, and who was the last Ricky one? Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. He's the oddball here. He doesn't make any sense. Um, cause and one of them is famous for this reason. It's one of those things that, like, when people think of them, it's probably top five, if not top three. Like everybody knows of this. Yeah, take one of them out. All right, Ricky Gervais definitely fits the mold. He's not the odd one out. Okay. I don't know, is it having more money than God? Like, um All of you are filthy rich. Yeah. Um is God, I I know this doesn't super fit like the, the style you're going for, but like is Viola Davis the only one that doesn't do crypto ads? No. <laughs> um Matt Damon is the odd one out. Everyone else started their film careers in their 40s or later. Oh, And that's like Brian Cranston's thing. Yeah. Is everyone knows him as the guy who started really late in life. Yeah, I whew, yeah, would not have come up with that. Yeah. Okay, final one. I think you can get this one. Ben Affleck, Gerard Butler, Ryan Reynolds, Idris Elba. One more time. Ben Affleck, Gerard Butler. Ryan Reynolds, it yourself. I'm trying to think if this has to do with like old timey movies because Ben Affleck was in the was in the last duel and Gerard Butler is Gladiator, but that's not even the same like era. So I wouldn't even be able to succinctly. Yeah, I guess that like, would be like just period pieces. I don't know if Idris Elba's been in a period, but I guess it would be the Western he was in. Yeah, but that's I like that's that's a cop out. Um yeah. can you take one out? Um, Idris Elba fits the mold. He's not the odd one out. Okay, and the, so that leaves Ben Affleck, Gerard Butler, Gerard Butler, Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. What are you doing here? <laughs> um, is Gerard Butler? This is nothing. This is a nothing burger. Is Gerard Butler the only one that like doesn't have his own production company? I don't think Idris does either. Yeah. Um. Everyone else has been in musicals except for Ben Affleck. Gerard Butler was in was Phantom of the Opera. Phantom. Idris was in Cats. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. The whole um, 
freaking Christmas movie he did was a musical. He oh, sang the entire time. You're so right. Yeah, you're right. We just Spirit. watched um we just watched Phantom of the Opera and Cats on Small and Tall in April, I think it was. So, like, these movies are fresh in my brain. But Ryan Reynolds really threw me for a loop there. Yeah. Yep. He was inspirited. I was surprised he sang the entire time. But I'm like, yeah, he's in, that's a full-blown musical. I really enjoy this game. Um, I'm very bad at it. But I enjoy <laughs> failing. It's hard to come up with stuff I haven't done before. And searching for an odd man out that doesn't create something else. And I think the biggest thing that happens is like franchises. Yeah. So if I name three actors that are all in Marvel and the third one, the fourth one isn't in Marvel, you can just say Marvel every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is why as soon as I put freaking Terrence Howard and Ed Norton together, I'm like, one plus one equals two, bro. <laughs> you don't even need to know the other one. <laughs> all um, right. Well, you got seven points. <laughs> so yeah. out of a possible 27. All right. So our one hit wonder, I am calling it Cutting Onions. Okay. Um, If you have never heard of The Onion before... It is a satirical newspaper that makes jokey joke headlines with with usually nonsense articles. It's a comedy website more than anything else. Um, Sometimes they do political commentary, but it's in a satirical way. It's a comedy website. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a headline from The Onion, and you have to tell me if it is a real headline from The Onion or if it's one I made up. Okay. Are you ready? These are going to be actually impossible because that's this is literally the onions thing. <laughs> yes, correct. All right. All here right. We go. Here's your first headline: World death rate holding steady at 100. percent What? Um, I'm gonna say it's it's real because 100 percent of people die. Yeah. So I'm gonna say that's something I knew would say. Yeah, that uh, that is correct. That is a real onion headline. Uh, next one: Scientists finally find out what happens when you drink bleach. Parentheses. You're not gonna like it. <laughs> if you wrote that, I mean, props for being funny. Um, I think you wrote that. I did, in fact, write that. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, next one. Man worried he might have mentioned sorcery too many times during job interview. <laughs> These are good, dude. <laughs> um, uh, would the onion say sorcery? That's a Craig word right there. Uh, but that reads like a perfect headline. That's how newspapers talk. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. I think that was the onion. That was, in fact, the onion. Yes. Yeah. That's how they talk. Man worried. <laughs> they don't say a man was. It's just man worried. That's awesome. <laughs> Next headline. Passenger ruins perfectly good windshield by flying through it. Okay. So here's where I'm stuck on this one. It's almost too funny for you to say. <laughs> that is... A very good headline. Yeah, it is very concise. It's got the setup and the punchline <laughs> in like eight words. Um, I'm thinking that's that's a pro. I think that's the onion. It is in fact the onion. That All is right. a that's amazing. All right, <laughs> research shows Thanksgiving is the best time to get back that cousin that stole your Legos and then lied about it. That's you. That is in fact me. I do. <laughs> that <laughs> smells like crack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like five right. for five right now. Next one. Drugs are okay. Just don't tell your parents. That's got to be you too. That is also me. Yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> I hear your voice, bro. I can hear your voice. All right. Uh, next one. Police officer bored at work wants, quote, more excitement. Okay. See, that reads like a headline. Um, Would you do three Craigs in a row? <laughs> um, this is tricky because this is definitely an onion thing. You know what? I'm just going to say it to you again. It was, in fact, me again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez, bro. That one was a struggle. <laughs> um. All right. Next one. Whoop, close my page. That's not very helpful. All right. Your favorite actor did something terrible, but we won't tell you what. Um. See, here's the problem. Yeah. If you just took out all the onion ones and from now on it's you and just make me. This is like when the answer's C six times in a row in a test. You're yeah. like, I, I messed up. <laughs> um, I think that's a little too clickbaity for the onion. So I think that's you as well. That is, in fact, me as well. <laughs> um, let's get one more. I'm trying to decide which one to do. I'm trying. I'm trying to see if I want to fake you out for a fifth time or not. <laughs> this is for the perfect score. Yeah, it really is. It really is. All right. I, I kind of just want to read this one. Sure. This this is a headline from The Onion, and it just says, Exercise ball, all the way over there. What? <laughs> I would have given that to you. I would have said that was you. Uh, what the heck, dude? Cutting onions, bro. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Last one. Divorced friend. R- sorry. Divorced friend burning through new hobbies at unsustainable rate. I feel that is that's something that would, is 100% true. I don't know if you have that insight. Uh, I don't think you know much about divorced friends. Hey, I'm 24. You don't think I have my fair share of divorced friends? That's why I'm thinking. I'm like, <laughs> you wouldn't know. So I'm going to give that to the onion. That is, in fact, the onion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I'm like, Craig doesn't know much about divorced friends. That's a good joke. But you wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was cutting onions. Um, I always like, yeah, for sure. I think the be- <laughs> I, I think the best version of this that we did was when I wrote Amy Schumer sketches and they were <laughs> indiscernible from the actual tell. sketches. I bombed that one so hard. In you fact, can't tell. In fact, I think you accidentally gave me the best compliment I could have received is when you started guessing if they were mine, whether or not they were funnier than actual Amy Schumer sketches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, oh man. I really enjoy writing stuff like that. Let's move on to our free bone segment. We got a lot to get through. Um, I watched a 1999 movie with Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone called Blast from the Past. Um, the premise of this movie is there's the in the 60s, there was this wealthy inventor who was paranoid of a nuclear holocaust, so he built a bomb shelter. When there was a nuclear scare, He brought him and his pregnant wife into the bunker and they lived down there for 35 years because that's how long it took for the nuclear radiation to wear off and they thought it would be safe again. So Brendan Fraser's character was born and raised in this bomb shelter and then when the locks finally lift, he is put in charge of going outside and resupplying the bunker for the next run. Um, And so this movie is a fish-out-of-water rom-com 
where um, Alicia Silverstone is the character that he runs into and eventually kind of like talks her into being his overworld guide. And it's actually a very charming movie for someone who doesn't usually like fish out of water movies. um, Brendan Fraser is just super charismatic, incredibly lovable all the time. And so whenever he and his character is like very dapper, like he's a very educated person, but he's been taught like manners on like a scholastic level, not necessarily a practical level. So he's going through all these social interactions with almost the right intention. And so that almost is kind of what makes it work for me. It's like he's right there, but he's just missing the mark. And so... It's one of those movies that, like, it has, like, a pretty unique concept to it. Just, like, how they set up the premise for it. Like, how they remove this man from society for 35 years is kind of interesting. And, like, Christopher Walken has a funny character. I enjoyed watching him do it. And just all in all, it is, like, one of the most watchable rom-coms that you will see. Like, if you are worried about watching a rom-com because it'll be, like, a chick flick... This does not mm-hmm. really do that. It is a Brendan Fraser movie more than it is anything else. So if you want to see him be his like charismatic self, you know, the, the like peak 90s Brendan Fraser, that's what this movie is. And it is very entertaining the entire way through. I was pleasantly surprised. I was expecting aged not comedy, but in fact, it is actually very good and holds up very well. I give it like a seven and a half. Sweet, dude. Uh, I also watched something from the 90s. Uh, Dr. Doolittle. I used to have these movies on repeat when I was a kid. I was personally a Dr. Doolittle 2 kind of kid, but the first one I also watched a bunch. It's it's not bad. Okay. Um, there's a lot in here for adults. Um. Norm MacDonald voices like the main dog, the guy who falls from around. He kills it the entire time. He's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's an actual mm-hmm. comedian, so of course he's hilarious. Um, it it feels way too tropey to watch as an adult who watches real movies. It's wild. Man, absorbed with work, doesn't spend a lot of time. With, this is literally Peter Pan, a hook. We literally <laughs> just watch this. And then gets exposed to a world outside of his usual character, becomes fully committed to it, comes back and is a better person because of it. And of course, the whole time, there's a real big business deal going in the back. This is literally just Hook with Animals. It's the exact same movie. Um, It was okay. At best, it was okay. There's funny parts, and there were a lot of just boring parts. However, it is a 90-minute movie, so it's very easy to just watch. I watched it with Willow. I would just tell him, like, oh, that's cool, that animal's talking. Oh, that's cool, that animal's talking. It's whatever, dude. It is literally whatever. And his like come to Jesus moment of like, oh man, I've been living my life wrong happens in like two minutes. And it's literally just like, (laughs) I don't feel like doing this anymore. I want to, like he goes from, I want to make money to, I want to help people for no reason at all. For no reason. Oh good. And it's just, it's just like, okay, this movie is okay. I would, I'm giving it a five. Okay. Also, don't watch it with your kids. There's a lot of swearing in this movie. Yeah, it's a PG, this was... but they're like, this is like, this is like a PG-13 swearing. Lots um, of it. IMDb has it listed as PG-13. Okay, it should be. 
It felt weird. I'm like, I watched this a lot as a kid. It should be PG-13. There's a lot of swearing in it. Just the entire time, you're like, don't say that. Don't say that. Just like, Animals why? don't really talk. Don't say yeah. that. It's just weird. I'm like, this movie did not have to be PG-13. It is completely unnecessary, but whatever. It probably I, would have a higher rating if it was just PG. Because if you go oh, in... It, for sure. And there's adult <laughs> jokes that you can just hide. It could totally be PG. Whatever. I remember it being better as a kid. Yeah, I bet. Um, I played Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is okay. the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. As far as Star Wars games go, Jedi used lightsaber swish swish stab stuff. Very good. Very satisfying. Um, I like that a lot. Um, okay. I also think that this game has a better story than the first game. Um, and it throws you into the action way faster way more accessible than the first game makes you do way less BS to get you started. Um, Love it. So I appreciate that. Um, What I do wish this game had more of was diversity in environments in the first uh, Jedi game. You go to like um, a lava planet and a jungle planet and a desert planet and an ice planet. And then in this game, you go to an outback planet planet like an australian outback and then a desert planet and that's pretty much it gotcha <laughs> so how would you like the two brownest environments in terms of invi- <laughs> in just in terms of general color scheming and then like an imperial base that's all you get so that was frustrating to kind of be like just and also like that forces the game to make me feel like i'm not going anywhere I go to this planet and then to another one and then back to the place I was and then back to the place I was. So the exploration was super lacking and that was very disappointing. However, this game had maybe the best like third act plot hook that I have seen in a game in a very, very long time. Maybe like 10 years. Oh, like, that's sweet. So the story is super engaging and it's worth the less than stellar environments. Um, so overall, I enjoyed the game a lot. It is high potential for game of the year. Uh, and I will circle back to it when that time comes. Um, so that game probably sits at like an eight out of 10, but I'm also a star Wars slut. Like they could just (laughs) pump feed me and I'd be happy with it. Nice. Um, I watched Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's new movie air. Yeah. That's on prime right now yeah uh this may be this movie makes a very boring topic interesting that's what i've heard because it's about how nike was real it's a it was a billion dollar company that just put all of its money in running shoes and adidas was into sports and converse was into sports and this is back when basketball was like small way smaller than football way smaller than baseball and it was just like on the level with hockey um so like nobody cared about basketball or the shoes or anything like that. So Michael, and this is about Michael Jordan getting signed to Nike and basically saving Nike and how that deal got worked through in negotiations and stuff. Kind of like Tetris, which is weird. Cause that movie is all about negotiations as well. That's a big part of this movie. However, the character, everyone in this movie is awesome. Except for Marlon Wayans, who he's in one scene and you forget about the second he's not on screen anymore. So he could have been cut. His whole scene could have been cut. I bet you he was in a lot more of this movie but they just got rid of it. Matt Damon is awesome. Jason Bateman is awesome. Ben Affleck is awesome. Chris Messina, 90% of his scenes are over the phone and he's hilarious. (laughs) He is hilarious. Viola Davis, the whole time she plays uh, Michael Jordan's mom, she's just acting because she's freaking Viola Davis. She's just 
killing it. I think her real life husband plays her husband in this, plays Michael Jordan's dad. He doesn't have very many lines, but he's also, I don't think he's an actor. So maybe he is. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't seen his stuff, but I think he's like actually made to Viola Davis. Um, the guy they got to play Michael Jordan, they don't show his face because um, Ben Affleck's like, if we show a guy who's not Michael Jordan, everyone's going to know. It's going to pull him out of the experience. So they just picked like a tall black kid who said like six words and just never see his face. Sure. Chris Tucker killed it. Peter, uh, Matthew Mayer, who plays Peter Moore, killed it. Dude, just everybody in this movie is good. It's very interesting. It's family. It's not family friendly, but you can watch it with your parents. There's a lot of okay. F-bombs, but like it's none of it's about sex. It's just angry people. It's about people on the East Coast and the West Coast just swearing because they're adults. So it's it's such, it's just an easy watch, bro. Yeah, and... And the thing about this movie is like it is almost my perfect cast for, like you said, a topic I could not care less about if I tried. Yes. It's also less than two hours. It's hour 50 minutes, probably closer to hour 45. It's just like a easy watch. It's all it's all at the very least kind of interesting. It's never like boring. And if it is boring, it lasts like two minutes and you're out of it. And then it goes back to being very interesting, hilarious, entertaining, or just mildly interesting. I would recommend people watch it. This is, is very this... good for, I bet you movie casuals are going to say this movie is amazing. Okay. I was Because I was going to ask, like, do you think this movie is going to be on your short list uh, for top five at the end of the year? I think it's just like a good movie. Okay. I think it's just like, it. no one's going to be, if you're going to get offended, it's because they say the F word too much. But, like, there's nothing else about it that's offensive. It's just a easy, good movie watch. It might be on the short list. We're already in May. Um, and I haven't watched a lot of new movies. So it might just be on for the nature. I haven't, it doesn't have a lot of competition. Uh, but I'm telling you, if you have a bunch of people who don't watch movies very often, this is on Prime now. It's an easy watch, and everyone's going to like it. Do you have a rating for it? Uh, seven and a half, 7.75. Okay. It's Rock not on. quite an eight, but it's like right there it just needs for me it needed the plot needs to be more complex than because at the end of the day they're telling a boring story very interestingly and it makes you think it's a good story but if you were to tell your friends it's oh it's about uh, trying to sign michael jordan to nike shoes and nike wasn't that big you'd be like well we all know where this goes so yeah why am i watching this so it's a relatively boring story told in the most entertaining way possible so i'll give it i'll give it a 775 why not i bought a ps5 and I christened it Dude. <laughs> with the Spider-Man game. Mm-hmm. And I, especially with big games, and Spider-Man's a big game, I like to take my time with it. Um, I play it in short bursts, like Jedi Survivor. Um, it probably took me like two, two and a half weeks for me to beat that story. Okay. Um, I bought my PlayStation on Thursday, and I beat Spider-Man Saturday night. So wow. I just like could not put this game down um as far as story go like it is such a good spider-man story i love it so much and it hits all the spider-man beats that you want it to hit um like you know it does stuff with mj it does stuff with aunt may it sets up miles morales pretty well um the initial antagonist is kind of like one you're, you're probably not too familiar with. So it intrigues you in a way, but still introduces familiar characters. Um, the plot twist, uh, you kind of see coming a mile away. Because as Peter Parker, you have a job with Otto Octavius. And you're developing prosthetic limbs. And you're like, wow, I wonder where this goes. Huh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
And if only um, there was a guy I knew in the Spider-Man universe who had prosthetic limbs. And so that uh that doesn't exactly come out of nowhere. Um, but overall, like as far as Spider-Man experiences go, it is up. It is definitely in my top five, maybe in my top three. Like it is so much fun to swing through the city to have all these web powers and like they give you like a billion suits to choose from to wear cosmetically um Mm -hmm. and it's so cool and because i bought the ps5 version i also got like all the movie suits so i got to swing around as toby Maguire and andrew garfield and tom holland and like doing that is super cool and the photo mode is super in-depth so you get to take your own pictures in the game and that's super satisfying. Like there are very few elements about this game that I'm like straight up that I would complain about. Overall, it is a well-polished game with super cool combat and just delivers on like the full Spider-Man experience. So like, oh man, this game probably sits at like a nine out of 10. Like when people say that this is their favorite game, like it makes sense why this game just rules well when people say like why should i get a playstation i don't own one i don't want one this is the game i think of every time i'm like if you're gonna get it you're getting it for spider-man so i i understand and so if i bought a playstation just for spider-man having now played spider-man i'm like still comfortable with my decision yeah i totally get it dude totally get it oh well i watched a movie based off your recommendation yeah um I'll give you one guess to what it was. Was it Dungeons and Dragons? Sure is. I watched Dungeons yeah. and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. It's a good movie, dude. Yeah. It's a good movie. Um, it's it's so lighthearted and it's just got like quests and banter. This is this is it doesn't scream Craig movie, but it's like I, I he would like this. Yeah. If I watched this first, I'd be like, Craig, you gotta watch this. You'd be into it. For sure. Um, it does a very good job of like handling new things like people who i know nothing about D. it makes perfect sense they explain everything to you you know what everyone's powers are they they tell you what you can and can't do i understand there's some inside jokes and i kind of picked up on them because they were referenced so much like why, why can't just magic them just magic use magic and like well that's yeah. not how this works and i'm like i understand that's probably an inside joke but now i'm in on the joke because they made it they made it understandable to everybody so you just got on board um dude, yeah good watch I really didn't care that his like wife died and he's trying to get back to get his daughter. Okay. I didn't care about that. I don't think this movie needed a plot. I just liked being in it. Sure, yeah. Um I really liked the whole ensemble. Like I know Michelle Rodriguez doesn't usually get touted for her acting prowess, but mm-hmm. I think that this role fit her very well. And so even if she didn't have to do a lot of genuine acting, because that part feels like it was written for her, she does it very well. Yeah. And it feels a little typecasty, but she does it well enough. So whatever. Yeah. And I've got a crush on Chris Pine. So like, I can't say a bad thing about that guy. Um, I mean, he does a great job. It he's, I think the problem with this is he's like almost too leading man. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, handsome guy. Trying to find his dog. I mean, it's like it's every movie. The only cast member that I would really poke holes at is Hugh Grant, purely because you can tell that like he's saying so much of this fantasy BS for the first time, and like yes. he's just there to be there. 
Um, yeah, but also I felt like Hugh Grant, it's very Hugh Grant. Yes. Like, he is the most regular dude in a fantasy world they could have done. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I think it works. I still think about that mirror portal scene. I think that scene is so cool, and I love it a lot. Oh, yeah, dude. When they're d- when they're- Dude, I thought when that was happening, I'm like, how did they come up with this? Yeah, and I think most of that is practical, too. Like, they released behind-the-scenes footage of, like, how they did that practically. And it's super cool to see that happen. It's just like when they were breaking into the carriage, and they're, like, removing wood through the... I'm like, how is this happening? This is wild. That Um, is thinking with portals. Yeah, it was very freaking cool. I liked everybody, pretty much. Everyone had their own personal battles to deal with, and I was just on board. I was just on board. It's a good it's movie. It's a good hang. It's a good hang. Yeah. Um, seven and a half. Yeah. Ha- happy to hear it. Um, next week, we're starting franchise month. Last year was a bit of a dud. That's on us. We know it. We <laughs> accept it. But we didn't yeah, really no, have a Some choice. people liked it, though. It, we yeah. needed to check it off. It is like a quintessential. We watched Terminator last year, if you guys don't remember. Um, so, like, it's kind of a big deal. Also, that franchise is over. Yeah. Um. They're still coming out with freaking Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> and we that was our first franchise month. So here we are. Might need to revisit that. Who knows? Um, but we're doing Transformers. And I'm so excited. I have not seen a full Transformers movie. I had a friend in like middle school who was super into Transformers. So like I saw bits and pieces of them, but like never sat down, watched it in its entirety. And I'm glad to check this off the box. I know... I know they're not good, but I'm excited anyway. Okay. So there are seven of them? There's including There's Bumblebee. going to be seven of them, yes. Yeah, there's going to be a seven of seven of them. We're gonna watch the final one um that's in theaters. So like make your schedule around that. But uh next week we're doing Transformers, the one that came out in two thousand seven with Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. And then we're gonna watch Transformers Revenge of the Fallen that came out in two thousand nine for next week. Yeah, two movies at once. Franchise, we usually double up. So I'm excited. Freaking clear your schedules, everybody, because this is going to be yeah. a good one. Oh, yeah. But that's next week. Until then, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun. Be safe. Make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.